Hello, I'm Dwayne Peters with the Lupus Foundation of America, which is the founder and owner of the open access journal Lupus Science and Medicine that is produced by BMJ. On this podcast, we will be speaking with Dr. Jill Bayon, Director of the Division of Rheumatology and Director of the Lupus Center at the New York University Langone Medical Center in New York City, and Dr. Phil Carlucci, first-year resident at NYU Langone and a recipient of the Lupus Foundation of America's Gina M. Finzi Memorial Student Summer Fellowship. They will be discussing their manuscript, Safety of Procuring Research Tissue During a Clinically Indicated Kidney Biopsy from Patients with Lupus, data from the Accelerating Medicines Partnership, RA-SLE Network. Dr. Bayon, what is the Accelerating Medicines Partnership? What are its goals and aims? So the Accelerated Medicines Partnership is a network that has been organized in collaboration with the NIH and industry partners and FINH. And the purpose there was to evaluate from a rheumatologic perspective, two diseases, one rheumatoid arthritis and the other lupus, and with lupus in particular, the evaluation of kidney involvement in lupus. And this partnership involved many sites across the United States who contributed patient samples and clinical data and worked hand in hand with technical expertise evaluating single cell RNA transcriptomics, evaluation of peripheral blood with utilizing such techniques as CYTOF and likewise also evaluating concomitant urine samples. And the idea there was to deconstruct lupus and nephritis and try to identify new pathways that might be targetable to evaluate beyond histology classes, for example, to try to address racial and ethnic differences and perhaps find predictors of response or non-response and ultimately really to develop, if you will, precision medicine. Dr. Carlucci, what was the purpose of your study about procuring research tissue from kidney biopsies? What issues did you wish to address? The issue surrounding retrieving kidney tissue for research is that until now, nobody had done it. So for the most part, on a large scale, so nobody knew quite how safe it was going to be, how much tissue to take how much you could take and have it remain safe. And the importance of taking this extra tissue is that until now, we've mostly been getting tissue just for clinical purposes. And if you want to do research, as Jill always says, tissue is the issue. And without the tissue to do research on, you don't have it. And so while patients we found were actually eager to help and to participate in research and donate their tissue, and we're very thankful for that, we weren't able to say definitively that this was going to be the safest thing, that there was no increased risk over what they have during a typical clinical biopsy. We had some preliminary data saying it wasn't going to be such a large risk, but we're grateful to the patients for doing that. And we found that, you know, it was safe. I would just add to that, we have evaluated the literature when the protocols were originally written, and it did appear that the number of biopsy passes, actually all the way up to five, really should not influence the risk of having an adverse event. And so there was that background information, but applying that specifically to patients who are undergoing a clinically indicated biopsy for evaluation of lupus nephritis per se, that information was not as available, except to say that 
in a normal kidney biopsy, traditionally, you take two to three passes, and you may, in this situation, ask for a third or fourth, and would that make a difference? But since it was under five, our expectation, quite honestly, going in is that this would not incur an increased risk of adverse events. But of course, the proof is always in the doing. So based on your review of the existing literature, you had some confidence that procuring research tissue through kidney biopsies probably was going to be a safe procedure, but you needed data to confirm that in lupus. Is that correct? Yes, I would say to that. And likewise, if you are going to take extra tissue, will that compromise in any way the ability to provide the information you need for traditional standard of care therapy? And so, you know, in doing so, are you taking anything away from that really the most important aspect of the patient's management? And the answer was no, right? And so there was no compromise to standard of care. And I think that's also important. And likewise, did you get enough tissue to actually do the research you were hoping to do on it. This goes a little bit beyond the publication, but the answer to that is yes. What type of research could you conduct using this tissue? The AMP project actually had three phases. And in phase zero and one, we were trying to learn how to really process kidney tissue so that literally this single cells could be obtained and their transcripts evaluated. So applying this to very modern techniques to actually identify what are the cells expressing, what pathways are there, it's quite granular. And this really was the, almost the first time it's applied in this way. And how much tissue do you need to do this? How do you process the tissue? So in the very first two phases, we would take the tissue, we would put it in a freezing reagent and see like how long can it last that way without destroying you know, the RNA. On one team actually evaluated the tissue fresh. We evaluated through different techniques. And at the same time, bloods was being obtained, peripheral blood to see how that might match the kidney. Urine was obtained, but the kidney biopsies themselves were used for what's called single cell RNA transcriptomics. So each cell, I mean, this is astounding. We could see a tubular cell, a mesangial cell, a lymphocyte, a T cell, B cell, a macrophage, an endothelial cell. So the resolution of looking at the cellular contribution, truly deconstructing the pathogenesis of lupus nephritis, this was the first. Dr. Carlucci, what is the role of a kidney biopsy in providing clinical care for lupus nephritis? What information are you able to secure through this procedure? So essentially the role of kidney biopsies in lupus nephritis is to diagnose lupus nephritis and guide management. So absent a kidney biopsy, we don't have any biomarkers that can reliably say what is actually happening in the kidney. So that's why it's important to continually monitor the urine of lupus patients. And as soon as you see an abnormality, that will prompt you to do a biopsy. So then you can check to see, is there in fact active lupus nephritis? And is that lupus nephritis, do you have to treat it and what should you treat it with. Dr. Bion, what was the structure for this study and specifically how was it conducted? This was not a single center study. It involved multiple sites across the country. And that's exciting to think that patients came from different states, that we had excellent representation of different races, different ethnicities. And in fact, happy to say that the disparities we see in lupus nephritis with representation by patients of African ancestry and Hispanic patients were very well represented. And in fact, samples were obtained from minorities at over 50% of the patients. You know, again, to be able to reach all patients of different backgrounds I think is very important, particularly when we talk about lupus in general. Dr. Carlucci, what are the benefits of retrieving this additional kidney tissue? 
What can you do with it? And how might it be used to advance our knowledge of lupus nephritis and its management? The benefits of retrieving additional kidney tissue include the research we can do on it is sort of the first part where we can deconstruct lupus nephritis and that we can get a better understanding of the overall pathogenesis, disease mechanisms, the specific cells that might be at play and the specific signals they might send out to surrounding tissue that might damage that tissue or cause that tissue to behave indifferently that leads to damage. And that can help us find targets for drug discovery in the future and possibly also lead us down the path of finding biomarkers that can be used as surrogates to kidney biopsy in the future to figure out this patient has X protein in their urine or in their peripheral blood. And we found that that X protein associated with what we found on their kidney biopsy under X disease condition, we can now use that as a surrogate marker of kidney biopsy. The other and perhaps more interesting thing that can come out of this is that while while we may not be able to eliminate the role of kidney biopsies in the future with those biomarkers, we could leverage the extra tissue that we retrieve and apply some of these research techniques in a clinical way. So if we find that these, what we find in our research can actually guide management similar to what we do already as part of clinical care, we can just get this extra tissue, not for research, but start to do this on all patients in the future as we think about more precision medicine in the future where medicine's hopefully going, especially in lupus. Dr. Bion, what were some of the adverse events you encountered and were any of them serious? Obviously, the most serious event would be one which led to death, and there were no events that we deemed related to the procedure itself that resulted in mortality. Unfortunately, there was a patient who succumbed for a cardiac reason completely unrelated. You are aware that many patients with lupus nephritis are very, very sick, which is, of course, all the reason we come 360 degrees discussing the importance of the project. The very good news was that in a procedure such as this, the most common complication, of course, would be bleeding after the procedure. And if we looked at bleeding, there were only 18 out of 475 patients that had bleeding, of which in a really wonderful way, only four patients in this entire cohort required a transfusion. And I think this speaks pretty dramatically to the safety in patients who have ultimately have lupus nephritis. Phil, I'm sure you can add a few more details to that. So just again, overall picture of what we found, there were 449 patients who had extra tissue retrieved during their biopsy for research, 27 of whom, or 6%, actually experienced an adverse event thought to be related to the biopsy. And that's actually in agreement with prior studies looking at adverse events done during biopsies for lupus patients. And interestingly, it's also in agreement with a recent study in diabetes, where they looked at patients undergoing a kidney biopsy with diabetes and retrieving extra tissue for research in that condition. And they also found an adverse event rate of about 6%. So in lupus, we don't seem to see an increased adverse event risk associated with getting extra tissue compared to what we find in patients getting it for standard clinical purposes. And this is also in agreement with what we see in now diabetes as well. All right. So what did you learn? What are your conclusions? And what is the main takeaway from this study? 
What we learned from the study is that getting extra tissue or retrieving extra tissue during a clinically indicated biopsy for lupus nephritis appears to be safe and does not pose an increased risk over doing the biopsy purely for clinical purposes. And that that extra tissue can be highly informative for research purposes and potentially in the future for precision medicine and clinical purposes as well. This was an interesting project for which people really weren't sure if we'd be able to procure extra kidney tissue and how would patients react to that. While you go in with the intentions that a procedure will be safe, you never really know. And I think that to have obtained tissue on 449 patients with systemic lupus erythematosus who are undergoing a clinically indicated biopsy, meaning they had a urine protein creatinine ratio greater than 0.5, I think that says a lot for the network and the support. And I think this is just a stellar example where clinicians work so tightly with the basic scientists and one could not do it without the other. And I just think that's probably the big accomplishment here. And, uh, you know, the data on what we learned, you know, it's beyond, you know, of course, what was in our paper, but, you know, we've already seen some data published in Nature Immunology that there are interesting observations on what we call ABC, B cells making antibody. We've seen some interesting issues where macrophages may infiltrate the kidney and undergo transitions from inflammatory to sort of post-wounding states. And we've seen clearly that the kidneys are, at least based on their simulated gene response expression, that they have seen interferon. Because it's really interesting to see that the tubules, the endothelial cells, the fibroblasts, the immune cells are all showing evidence that they have, at least based on their stimulated gene expression, have been exposed to interferon. And that's pretty exciting when you think about some of the clinical developments and some of the new therapies that have been just recently approved for lupus. So even that simple corroboration, it's not so simple, right? But to see that all these cells of the kidneys, how they are reacting in this milieu is very exciting, I think. And we've also come up preliminarily with a fibrotic signature that may predict poor response to therapy. Obviously, a lot of this is under further evaluation because initially our studies only had in two groups, each about 20 lupus nephritis samples. We are now looking at over 160 samples now with even greater precision and ability to get more cells as we've moved into new techniques of single cell RNA sequencing. And I just like I've often said about tissue is the issue. The other aspect is as the technologies we understand are advancing, they advance faster than we could even roll the patients in the study. So the marriage between the science and the clinicians, I think, has never been better illustrated. So it was exciting. What are your future plans for this kidney tissue? How might it play a role in the next phase of the Accelerating Medicines Partnership? What's next is all of the tissue has been collected. It's now undergoing evaluation by the scientists. They're using a variety of techniques to evaluate not only the tissue, but other specimens, including urine, blood, and those include different sequencing techniques, different techniques in which you can visualize proteins on the surface of cells, for example, looking at protein circulating in the blood to determine pathways that might associate with different classes of lupus nephritis responses to the therapies that the clinicians prescribed at the time of their diagnosis. 
AMP will have a second phase, and the second phase to AMP will be considering reconstruction of the, quote, deconstruction. And in a sense, what that simply means, you're looking at the components of a pathway, you're looking at mRNA expression, and now you just wonder, okay, a cell makes X, but is that cell sitting next to the other cell? And how do they communicate? And so new technologies can now look at what's something I just sort of globally refer to as spatial transcriptomics, where we can now look at transcriptomic data per cell and who's sitting next to them. So the cellular location now can be addressed with techniques. And the fact that we could safely get this tissue says that in the next phase, we can now procure tissue and corroborate, if you will, and look at locations of cells that we have their transcriptomic evaluation. But how do they cross communicate now, as Phil mentioned, looking at the protein level? So I think that's part of the next step is reconstruction. But likewise, I would venture out to say that as a clinician wearing that hat, that kidney involvement right now is challenging to the clinician. Why? Because even approved therapies and our newest therapies are only achieving 50% of a complete response. While we're all clapping and celebrating about the new drugs that have been approved for lupus nephritis, we still have 50% of patients who do not respond to that therapy adequately. And it suggests to some of us, particularly with the safety, maybe we should be biopsying even earlier. And if we are safe in doing so, think about what that might open up as a possibility to look at the earliest, earliest compared to the traditional biopsy we did in AMP1. It's a thought. Were there any limitations to your data that our listeners should know about? One of the limitations that we have to acknowledge is that this was a real world study. And in some ways, that's a strength and that we evaluated what clinicians did in their practices with no constraints. But that meant that from a maybe a scientific standpoint, everything was not uniform per se. And that at some places there were radiologists doing the biopsy. At some places there were nephrologists doing the biopsy. Sometimes there were fellows involved. Sometimes there were not fellows involved. Presumably at all anticoagulation was held, but perhaps for how long prior to the biopsy may have varied a little bit. I, I'd uh, even say monitoring after the biopsy is in standard. So could we have missed some non-clinically important hematomas? Absolutely. And we acknowledge that. I'd also acknowledge that biopsies were done exactly as Phil said by nephrologists versus interventional radiologists. And in some cases, two cores were obtained. The cores were large enough to actually get a piece off the clinical core that did not compromise the clinical evaluation and allowed enough tissue to be used for research. And a quote extra core didn't even have to be done because there was sufficient core material. Material. So there were definitely variations on the theme. So this is really an overall picture, again, in real world. Well, this was a very interesting discussion. And congratulations on the publication of your data. Are there any final thoughts that you wish to share? I'd just like to mention Christina Dionorain, who was a clinical coordinator with Jill uh, the last couple of years and is now a med student. She is the first author on the study, and she worked very hard keeping track of all these AEs and the clinical data. So she did a very good job on this important work. Well, thank you both for taking time to share your perspectives on this very important topic. We have been speaking with Dr. Jill Bion, Director of the Division of Rheumatology and the Director of the Lupus Center at the New York University Langone Medical Center in New York City. 
and Dr. Phil Carlucci, first-year resident at NYU Langone and a recipient of the Lupus Foundation of America's Gina M. Finzi Memorial Student Summer Fellowship. They were discussing their manuscript, Safety of Procuring Research Tissue During a Clinically Indicated Kidney Biopsy from Patients with Lupus, data from the Accelerating Medicines Partnership RA-SLE Network. It's published in the open access journal, Lupus Science and Medicine, and is available for free online at lupus.bmj.com. For the Lupus Foundation of America and BMJ, I'm Dwayne Peters. Thank you for listening.